This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. On the back side, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter 3, verse 1 to 14, we'll introduce our thoughts today. 2 Peter 3, verse 1 to 14. Peter says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing you look for such things, be diligent, that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. I suppose all of us here today are interested in the future, and especially the future that has to do with the second coming of Jesus, and with the events that will take place when He comes. And you can let a fellow today announce that he's got information about Christ's return, about the events that are associated with that return, in other words, about what's going to happen very soon when Jesus comes, and they get everybody's attention, whether they're on radio, television, printing page. Everybody's interested in the return of Jesus and what might happen. Now, I'm not a prophet like some of these fellows, so I'm going to put the second coming of Jesus in the past and raise the question this way, what if Jesus had come yesterday, not in the future? What if yesterday was the day that the Lord had chosen to come? Now obviously yesterday wasn't that day, but that day's coming. And here in the introduction you'll see these scriptures on the front. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, Paul is speaking to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers there in the city of Athens. And he said to them, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Paul talked about how God has appointed a day in the which he'll judge the world. Yesterday was not that day, but that day's coming. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, records the ascension of Jesus back up to heaven. And Luke says in verse 9 of Acts 1 that when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus is coming back someday, those angels tell us there. He's coming back just exactly like he came the first time, visibly, and people will see him. But yesterday wasn't that day. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 36, said this. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows the time of the Lord's return. Jesus said the angels don't even know. He said only His Father knows that time. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 and 2, the church at Thessalonica was thinking that Christ's return was imminent, would be very soon, and Paul corrects them on that. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And we know when the thief comes, he doesn't give warning, does he? He doesn't send an email or a tweet or a text. He doesn't make a phone call and say, I'll be over in 30 minutes, clean you out. He comes suddenly. He comes unexpectedly. And Paul said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night when people are not expecting it. All of a sudden, Jesus will return to this earth when people are just simply not looking for Him. So we, we just don't know when He's coming, but we've always had time setters, haven't we? Always had people that thought they knew, made these wild speculations and predictions. Let me talk about a few of them that appeared in history. They're still going on today. One of the earliest predictions I, I read about was a fellow that said Jesus was coming back in 1000 A.D. 1000 A.D. Well, that sounded probably like a real good number back then. But 1000 A.D. came, and Jesus didn't come, because that wasn't the appointed time. Back in the year 1843, there was a fellow named William Miller said that he had studied the book of Daniel, and had figured out that Jesus was coming that very year, and he named the month and the day. It was in October of that year. And Miller's followers were all excited, and they were ready for the coming of the Lord, and that month came in 1843, and that day came, and Jesus didn't, because that wasn't the appointed time. And they were so disappointed. So Miller told his followers, I just miscalculated it one year. He's coming in 1844. And 1844 came, and Jesus didn't come, because that wasn't the appointed time either. Miller just didn't know, did he? He made wild predictions. Around the turn of the, <coughs> of the excuse me, around the turn of the 20th century, the Jehovah's Witnesses got into the prediction business, and they said that Jesus was coming back in 1914. And they wrote a book about it. That book is called Millions Now Living Shall Never Die. Now think about it, that book came out in 1914. Millions now living shall never die. That's 106 years ago. 
I wonder how many of those people are still living, those millions that they said would never die. They're all dead nearly. There's hardly anybody on the earth today older than 106. Millions now living, they said, will never die until they see Jesus. But Jesus didn't come in 1914, and that book is out of print by the witnesses, and those millions are dead. And for years the witnesses held off making such predictions, but then they began to predict that the Lord was coming around 1975. And of course 1975 came and Jesus didn't come because that wasn't the appointed time either. And I talked to a lady one time that had left the Jehovah's Witness movement because of these wild predictions. Uh, she realized that they were false prophets and making false predictions, and uh, that this did not come to pass, and her and many, many hundreds of people left the Jehovah's Witnesses after these wild speculations, because 1975 came and Jesus didn't. I remember uh, in 1970 there was a man came on the scene. He became popular along about that time. His name was Hal Lindsey. You still see Mr. Lindsey on television today. Sometimes late night I see him. He's getting quite old now, but back in 1970 he wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And uh, he said that the rapture would take place in 1981, and the there would be a seven-year tribulation after that, and then Jesus would come again in Second Coming in 1988. And uh, they made a movie about that, incidentally, called The Late Great Planet Earth. I remember, I remember going to the movie theater in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and watching that movie, The Late Great Planet Earth. It was narrated by Orson Welles, and quite a production, quite a science fiction type thing. But you see, 1981 came, and Jesus didn't come. That wasn't the rapture. And 1988 came, and Jesus didn't come that year because that was not the appointed time. And so Mr. Lindsay was wrong in his predictions. Then we had in Little Rock uh, a radio preacher in 1988 by the name of Edgar Wisenant. I remember it well. I saw an article in the paper. And he predicted, predicted that the rapture of the church would take place that year. I think he had predicted it on April the 1st of 1988. He was on the radio, had about uh, 40 stations, not only in the U.S., but also in other countries that he broadcast from. And he had his Rapture 1988 ministries. And he said, folks, there's no need turning on your radio on April 1st because I'm out of here. I'll be raptured away and I won't be on the air because the Rapture's taking place that year. And then seven years later, he said the second coming of Jesus is going to take place. And he, I remember him naming the time, the day specifically. He said, the end of the world's coming on December 23rd, 1995. I remember that well because on December 23rd I made it a point to stay aware of his prediction all day. I knew it was going to fail because number one, his rapture didn't occur in 1988. April 1st came and Jesus didn't and this man was an April fool, just like a lot of these guys are. And then in 1995, December 23rd came. And Jesus didn't come because that wasn't the appointed time. These guys are always wrong. And then around uh, the turn of the millennium, about 2000, you'll remember the big scare we had. Remember the Y2K scare? People were stocking up on water and up on food because they thought that things were going to get in a mess on the earth and all the computer systems were going to fail and 
they were all going to go down and the earth was just going to be thrown into a chaos and a torment and a, you know, just a tormented affair. And so folks stocked up on everything they could find, water and food and everything. There was a fellow came on the air on television long during those years named Jack Van Ippy. And Mr. Van Ippy predicted that the Lord would come in 2000. 2000 came and Jesus didn't. Van Ippy then said, well, he's coming. I think he allowed seven years for a tribulation. He said he's coming in 2007. 2007 came. Jesus didn't come. That wasn't the year either. Then Van Ippy said, well, he's coming in 2012. 2012 came. Jesus didn't come. Finally, he said he's coming in 2017 or 2018. Those years have just recently passed. Jesus didn't come. And I don't know if he's making any more predictions or not. I don't know about his health. I don't know if he's still living or not. I don't see him on television like I used to. But the point is that all these men have been wrong. They always are and they always will be. You see, the truth is nobody can know when Jesus is coming. They don't know. Jesus said, remember in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Jesus was familiar with the book of Daniel. He was familiar with all the books of the Bible. He's the author of them after all, He and His Father. He knows the meaning of every verse. He knows every scripture, every word in the Bible. And yet Jesus said, remember, of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but My Father only. The truth is nobody can read the book of Daniel or any other book in the Bible and tell us when Jesus is coming back. Nobody knows. Listen, folks, it may be a thousand years before Jesus comes. It may be two thousand. Or it may be today. I don't know of anything right now that would keep Jesus from coming this very day except God's long-suffering, God's mercy. God has restrained Himself from sending Jesus back to the earth and winding everything down here because God wants people saved. And when the Lord gives up mercy, when He quits being long-suffering, then the end of things will come and Jesus will come back then. And only God knows that time. Nobody knows it. But most of the modern preachers today are working on the assumption that Jesus' return is going to be very soon. And uh, they will tell us, well, I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, but, but I know it's real close because all of the signs are here. And then they'll go to Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, at least in the early verses of that chapter, is discussing the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by the Roman armies. And Jesus gave signs leading up to that destruction, which many people mistakenly think are signs for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilences and earthquakes. And not understanding what Jesus says, men take those words today and they say, well, those are signs that the coming of Jesus is near. And all of those signs are present today, and so Jesus is coming very soon. But as I told you, it may be a thousand years or two thousand, or it may be today. The only thing we really know is this. Jesus didn't come yesterday. But what if He had? 
What if yesterday were that day? There are some things that would have happened yesterday had the Lord come. And let me ask each and every one of you, what would have happened yesterday had Jesus come? What would have happened to you? What would you have experienced? And where would you be right now? Interesting. Interesting to consider that, isn't it? What would have happened? Let me talk to you about some things that would be true right now, right now, had the Lord come back yesterday. Number one, there would be no more opportunity for soul saving. In other words, nobody could be saved today. All opportunities for salvation would be over if Jesus had come back yesterday. And I want that, I want that to sink in in our, in our minds and hearts today. I want you to think about people you're concerned about, you've been praying about, you've been thinking about talking to them about the Lord. Had the Lord come yesterday, those people would be lost today forever. And there would be no opportunity for them to be saved. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, they're on the back now, they're on the back. In Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. It's a wise thing for you and I to be trying to win souls for the Lord. And to redeem the time, as he tells us in Ephesians 5, 16, literally buying up the time. You see, we don't know what kind of time we've got left. And what the Bible's teaching you and I is, as God's people, we are to be busy. We are to be busy trying to take the Word to the lost and rescue as many people as we possibly can, because when the Lord comes, there will be no opportunity for anybody to be saved. Had Jesus come back yesterday, <clears throat> we wouldn't have an invitation like the one in Revelation 22, 17, where John says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That invitation wouldn't be any good today had the Lord come back yesterday. That's penned about four or five verses from the end of the New Testament, that final invitation. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That wouldn't be an invitation today. That opportunity would be gone. And all the people that have been putting off their salvation, who've been looking for a more convenient time, would be in hell right now had Jesus come yesterday. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 to 9, the Bible says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So yesterday had the Lord come, these people would be suffering right now everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. No more soul-saving opportunities. Number two, had Jesus come back yesterday, this earth and everything in it would have been burned up already. Nothing would be here. This building wouldn't be here today. The seats that you're sitting in wouldn't be here today. Think about all your possessions, if you will, for a moment. Your house would be gone, Burn, burned up. The land that you own would not be here. It would have already melted like a 
hot piece of saran wrap. Any possessions that we have, any furnishings and furniture would be gone. The checkbook, stock certificates, and insurance policies would be no good. They would be gone. No cash in the bank. In fact, the banks would be gone. The checkbook wouldn't be any good. Wouldn't be a checkbook. Couldn't write a check. Because everything on this earth would be burned up. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes. The Lord actually said in, in uh, Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That's what He's talking about there. And in our opening scripture, if you'll notice again, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 there, Peter said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Listen, the earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. When I think of that passage, I often think of the things that men have built. Think of these, look at, just think of the New York City skyline, for example. That famous skyline we see so much on television. The works that are therein, the Bible says, will be burned up when He comes. I think of all those huge buildings. One day those are going to melt, and this earth is going to melt away and dissolve like a giant Alka-Seltzer. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And there won't be anything here. Think of these long bridges that, that span our waterways now. Some of them run for miles. All the works of men's hands. Sewage systems and electrical grids and, and cell towers and just anything that man has built. All of that would be gone today. And there wouldn't be anything here had Jesus come yesterday. So your farm, your house, your home, whatever you own, all of that would be gone. And that's why, that's why we don't need to get caught up with the world in trying to possess so many things, relying on uncertain riches and trusting in them. Read with me from 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 10. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So many people today are caught up in what they can grasp and gain and hold on to, when the truth is, when the Lord comes, Everything here will be gone, and we take nothing out of here. We brought nothing into this world, and the Bible says we can carry nothing out. And you'll never see a, you'll never see a Wells Fargo truck in a funeral possession. You'll never see that. We're not hauling anything out of here, are we? And when we die, it's all gone. I've often said when I die, I'm going to be just as wealthy as Sam Walton is right now. When Sam died, he lost everything he had. When I die, I'm going to lose everything I have, and me and Sam's going to be equally poor. We're not going to have anything. We're carrying nothing out of here. And yesterday, had Jesus come, we wouldn't have a thing today. Number three, had Jesus come back yesterday, those of us that were alive, and that's everybody here, we would not have died. Now, in the normal course of things, you and I are going to die. We have an appointment with death, and we're going to keep that appointment. In Hebrews 9 and 27, 
The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So had, uh, had the Lord come back yesterday, we wouldn't have had to keep that. There's going to be a generation on this earth that's going to be alive when Jesus comes, and they won't have to die. That'll be the only human beings that never will die is the ones alive when He comes. See? And had He come yesterday, you and I would not have had to die. Well, what would have happened? What would have happened to us? Well, if we were a Christian, we'd have taken an incredible flight. Look in 1 Thessalonians 4 with me, verse 16 to 18. Paul said, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Had Jesus come yesterday and you were a faithful Christian, you would have been caught up in the air to meet Jesus, along with the dead that had risen to meet Him. And we would have met Him in the clouds up there. We wouldn't have needed a space shuttle. We wouldn't need a plane, an airplane of any kind, any kind of aircraft. We would have made an incredible flight without any machinery. And we all know how beautiful it is up in the air when you're flying and you look down on billowing clouds and they look like big pillows and big balls of cotton. Looks like you can just jump out of the plane and land on one of them and just lay back and relax and everything. Well, we would have sailed right up through all of that without any airplane and met Jesus. The question today is, would you have made that journey yesterday had the Lord come? Number four, had Jesus come back yesterday, the dead would already have been raised up, and not only raised up, but changed. Because when Jesus comes, He's going to empty every cemetery. In John 5, verse 28 and 29, listen to Christ, what He said. Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Had Jesus come back yesterday, He would have called, and all of the dead would have come forth out of those graves. They would have met Him. Now we know the Lord's got this power because He did that when He was here on earth. I would just ask you to remember John 11. Let me just narrate the story a minute. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who lived at Bethany. And he got word that his friend was sick unto death. And Jesus could have gone right then and healed Lazarus so that he would have never died. But the Lord delayed on purpose. He didn't go. And finally he said to the twelve apostles, he said, let's go, let's go see our friend Lazarus. He's sleeping. Lazarus had died. And Jesus meant that he was sleeping in death. And he said, we're going to go wake him out of sleep. Now the apostles said to Him, Well, Lord, if He's sleeping, He does well. But Jesus was talking about sleeping and death. When they get to Bethany and get to the house there, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they meet Jesus and they tell Him, Lord, had You been here, our brother had not died. They were just heartbroken. They were weeping. And uh, finally Jesus asked them, Where have You laid him? And they said to Him, Lord, come and see. They took him to the place where Lazarus' body was. It was a, a tomb hewn out of a rock. 
had a large stone over the entrance of it. And Jesus told them to remove the stone. And they said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He's stinking by now. If we remove this stone, the body's going to stink. But nonetheless, at Jesus' words, they took that stone away. And the Lord paused right there to pray. A lot of times he prayed silently. This time he prayed out loud. And he said, Father, I thank you because you hear me. I know you hear me always, but because of them that stand by, I said these things. And uh, he just wanted people to know that God had given him this power. And then he cries out, Lazarus! This is John eleven forty three. Lazarus, come forth! And the Bible says that Lazarus came forth out of that grave bound head and clothes, or head and, head and foot with grave clothes, had a napkin over his head. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. The point is that he called out, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came out of that tomb. Now remember John 5, Jesus said, All that are in the grave shall hear His voice, and shall come forth. He has that kind of power. So when He comes back, He will speak, and all the cemeteries will empty. Every grave will open. Every body that's in the sea, that's perished at sea, will come forth. Uh, think, of the, think, think of the number of people buried in the oceans. Or maybe their bodies have been eaten by fish. But they've been killed in storms and in naval battles and shipwrecks. Some have been uh, slain and their body thrown in the ocean to hide it. Others have fallen overboard off ships. All of those bodies will come forth. And that would have happened yesterday. All the dead would be raised up. Think of all that. Now, they would be raised up, but they'd also be changed, some of them. They'd have a change made to that body. And what would those bodies look like today? Think about that a minute. If the resurrection occurred yesterday, what would the bodies look like? That's what the Corinthians wanted to know. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 there with me. And look at verse 35 and then some other verses in the chapter. Because they had asked Paul, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And Jesus began to tell them about the resurrection. And he said, so, so, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it's raised in, dis in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Down in verse 52, he says, In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. You see, we've got to have a change to our body that's suitable for heaven. This is a physical body here, and in, in heaven there are spiritual beings. God is a spirit. Angels are spirits. And flesh and blood here can't go to heaven. We can't go to heaven in this form. The composition of our body's got to change to, to a state of immortality, to a spiritual type body. And that would have happened yesterday. We'd have a body suitable for heaven. Now we don't know what that body's going to be like. In 1 John 3 and 2, John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're going to have a body like Jesus. See? 
And John said, we don't know yet what that's going to be like. But this flesh has got to have a change. We're told, after all, in 1 Corinthians 15 again, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And Paul said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So we'd be in that changed body now. If we're a child of God, and what would that body be like? I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you, if we get a body like Jesus, that's going to be good enough, isn't it? John said we'll be like Him. I can't imagine Jesus having too bad of a body, can you? He's been raised from the dead, and He's been changed to a state of glory and immortality, and we get a body just like His. That's good enough for me. And I don't know, uh, how do you feel about your body today? I know you young people feel great. You're, you're very proud of your body. Let me just tell you youngsters to just wait a few years, and you won't be as proud of your body as you once was. <laughs> because these bodies, these bodies make some pretty bad changes as we get older. They get a little wrinkled. Sometimes hair falls out. You notice that, haven't you? Sometimes we lose our teeth, and we get teeth like stars. They come out at night. Things change about our body. We get wrinkles that weren't there. Things begin to sag that used to be kind of firm. You know, we change. And uh, so, if you're proud of your body now, enjoy it while you've got a nice young body, because time's going to take a toll on that body. And you're not going to feel as good one day and have the energy one day that you have now, nor will you have the strength that you once had. That's just part of aging. You know, we spend an awful lot of time every day on our body. I want you to think about this. We have a, we have a 24-hour day, and if you'll think about 24-hour days, think of how much time during the day you spend just on the body. Let's just take eight hours of sleep if we get that. See, that's down to 16 hours now. We had to rest that body and mind, didn't we? So there's eight hours. So there's a third of the day gone just trying to get some sleep. If we work an eight-hour day, that just leaves eight, and maybe we commute there, and that's another hour or so. We'll just say to work, so now we've got seven hours. This body's got to be fed. If that takes 20 minutes a meal, that's another hour. Now you're down to six. And we still got some more things we do for the body every day. We bathe it. We shave it. We put makeup on it. We dress it. We exercise it. We spend most of a 24-hour day on the flesh, don't we? This body takes a lot of maintenance, okay? It just does. And what the Bible's teaching us is that when the Lord comes, and if we're a faithful Christian, and we get a change to this body, we won't have to do all these things. We won't need eight hours of sleep. We won't have to sleep. We won't have to eat. We won't ever get tired. We won't ever know pain. We'll not know any tears. There'll be no more death. Everything will be changed. And had the Lord come back yesterday, and you're a faithful Christian, you'd have that kind of body right now. Wouldn't that be great? 
I'm about ready to trade mine in when I read things like that. Just bring it on. Because that's going to be a wonderful time. Number five, had Jesus come back yesterday, He would have found most people unprepared, unconcerned, just carrying on with normal activities. Think about yesterday. Think about what you were doing. Think about your state of preparation of whether or not you were right with God, sins forgiven, ready to, ready to go, looking for Jesus, because most people on the earth today were not ready yesterday. And when the Lord comes back, He will find most people unprepared and just carrying on with normal activities. In Matthew 24 there, verse 37 to 39, the Lord talks about Jerusalem and its destruction, but it foreshadows what will happen when He comes. He said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Think about Noah's day. Life was going on on earth. People were eating and drinking. They were getting married. Things were going on real normal. Noah had spent a hundred years or more building a big, big ship, an ark. All of a sudden Noah went into the ark that day. He and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people. And then what happened to all those other people? The rain started coming. The fountains of the deep were opened up. And these people that had been carrying on with normal activities and thoughtless about God and all, all of a sudden every one of them perished in the flood. And out of that universal flood that covered the highest mountains on this earth, only eight people survived it, and they were all inside that ark. The rest were taken away. Had the Lord come back yesterday, He would have found most people on this earth. And we probably got, what, 7.5 billion people? That's a lot of folks. And most of them would not have been ready. A lot of them were in the bars. A lot of them were involved in things they shouldn't have been in. Others were just careless. They weren't thinking about the Lord. He was not on their mind. They were not ready, sins not forgiven, not expecting the end to come. And Jesus would have found most people yesterday unprepared and completely unconcerned about it. And the question we should face today is, were we ready yesterday? Were we prepared? And the bigger question is this, are we ready yet today? Are we concerned and are we prepared? Number six, had the Lord come back yesterday, the great judgment you read about in your Bible would already have taken place, and you and I would have stood before the Lord already to give an account of our lives here. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 34, Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set his sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall he say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That separation would have taken place. To those there on the left, in verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Yesterday the Lord would have made this great separation, 
and put his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And, and he would have said to some, Come home with me, and to others, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. That would have happened yesterday. Yesterday, you and I would have stood before Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Yesterday you would have stood in front of Jesus and given an account to Him for everything done in this body. Every thought, every word, every deed, anything that hadn't been forgiven would have come to light. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, Solomon said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Everything yesterday would have come out. Anything not forgiven in our lives would have been brought to light. So that just means this. Any thoughts that I've had that are evil, if I'm not forgiven, they would have been exposed. Any words that I've spoken that have not been forgiven that are wrong, all of that would have come out. Any deeds that I've done that are not in keeping with God's will, all of that would have been exposed. Everything comes out. God brings every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, He would have remembered all of the good. The problem is, He would have remembered all the bad. And that's what we don't need. And those are the things we need forgiven so that He remembers only good about us, see, and no bad because that's forgiven. What would have happened yesterday at that judgment? Well, number seven, we know the outcome of it. You and I today would be in heaven or hell right now had the Lord come yesterday. That's the outcome of the judgment. To some He would have said, Come home with me. To others He would have said, Depart. If we, if we wind up in hell, what a horrible place. But in Revelation 21.4, think of this. The Bible says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So when He comes for His children, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more pain. See, We'll never again go to a funeral. We'll never again have to see a husband separated from his wife or a wife from a husband by death. We'll never see long lines of mourners. We'll never see some orphan, some child sitting over in a corner somewhere bewildered and wondering what's going to happen to it because it's lost its parents. There won't be those kind of burdens and heartaches anymore for God's people. We'll never have to experience that. But for the wicked it's different, for those not ready. We read in Revelation 14, 11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Torment forever, no rest day or night. Imagine that. Winding up in a place where there's never any relief, never any rest, and the smoke of the torment just goes up forever and ever. It never, it never ceases. You and I, yesterday, if Jesus come, 
would be in heaven or in hell right now because that's the outcome of the judgment seat. And I think it's good for us to study things like we've done this morning, don't you? That every now and then we need to stop and just think about these things. This is what's coming. Had the Lord come back yesterday, there would be no more soul saving today. The earth would have been burned up. Those alive would not have died. All of the dead would have been raised, not just raised, but changed. He would have found most people unprepared and unconcerned. The judgment would have taken place, and we'd be in heaven or hell right now. That's what happens when He comes. And what, what should be our response to the thoughts of this? Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And so the commandment for us is, the admonishment to us is, be ready. Be ready. Because that day or that hour could come, and it's going to come unexpectedly. And if Jesus had come yesterday, this would have already happened. As we close this study today, I want to leave you with this question. What's your situation this morning with God? Where are you? And do you need to do something about your soul's salvation? Well, one thing we have, as long as we have life and breath, we have opportunity. We have an opportunity to be right with the Lord. And in all of our services, we always offer an invitation. We don't like to close a service without it. Because we never know the hearts of people. Somebody may need to respond to the Lord, may need salvation. And uh, so we want to have this song to encourage anyone to come forward that may need to. We're not going to come back where you're seated and drag on you and pull you up. This needs to be of your own free will, your own need, your own volition. <clears throat> but if you need some assistance today with your soul's salvation, if you just need prayer, if we can help anyone today, we invite you just to have a seat on the front pew up here somewhere, front seat, anywhere, and, and we'll just uh, come to you and assist you in whatever your needs might be. Let's stand and sing this final invitation song. Come if you need Christ as we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.